Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan. Thank you so much for being here with me. And as always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Go check it out. Always growing and new shows for you to listen to. On the show today, we have an amazingly talented individual named Kelsey Warren, or his stage name, Black Emoji. He's got a new album out called Eclectro, which is available now on all platforms and is fantastic. It's got such a wide array of music and some great stories behind them, which we get into here today. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Kelsey Warren. I just want to say right off the bat, thank you so much and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. Where do we find you today? I'm in New York City, Upper East Side. Oh, lovely. And you're kind of from, Are you, you're from Jersey, I was reading. And is that just kind of, did you end up moving across the bridge pretty early on? Uh, no, <clears throat> I grew up in South Jersey and then I went to uh, University of Miami mm-hmm. and then I moved, you know, to be close to New York. And yeah. that, that's how I came to new york city roundabout do you think like a lot of a lot of stuff is talked about about new york city just being like this haven for creativity do you get that sense does it inspire you in a lot of ways oh yeah still does since day one um when i first moved here i basically had like no money and i would just sit in cafes uh, outside and i would just watch people and i would write and uh now i still don't have a lot of money but i'm still inspired by (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I when I moved to New York, I, I was fascinated by so many different people, so many <laughs> different characters, and I would write about them, and I would write about New York, and just the surroundings alone is inspiring enough to do a, a whole album. Like, yeah. oh, okay, I understand. And now, since I've lived here for for quite some time, and then I got in, into the mix of New York, and then my life started to get very very crazy so instead of writing on the outside looking in now i'm writing about myself in new york and the good stuff the bad times and the crazy things that new york can put you through and if you can survive it it's a beautiful thing and uh yeah there's for all the ups and downs and the changes it's this place has gone through the last few decades it's still very very inspiring yeah i agree with that can you imagine being anywhere else Yes. Oh, really? Amsterdam would be nice. Yes. Oh, wow. So that's something my wife and I are talking about is maybe trying to spend. She's English. So we're always like trying to figure out ways to go spend some more time closer to her family. Nice. Do it. Do both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Okay. So this is what's amazing about me doing this show is that I get introduced to all this different music all the time in so many different avenues. So you came into my world via my producer, Carl. Um, he heard your track last night lost. Pick up the phone. I want a call and talk. 
via a um, XM radio show by Simon LeBon of Duran Duran. And he just was raving about this song on his show. So Carl reached out to you and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, what's the story behind this song? What got Simon just all worked up? <laughs> That's really interesting. Last Night Lost was written um, during the pandemic, like right in the beginning of the pandemic. We're talking sometime mid 2020. Okay. Um, the whole album, the, uh, the Electro album was pretty much conceived for the most part during the pandemic. And uh, a lot of the songs deal with life, deal with uh, what, you know, we couldn't do anymore. Just certain things like just going to a restaurant or going outside without a mask. And it, just a lot of our lives changed. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. A lot of these songs deal with what we do within life. But at that time, it was almost like um, I'm writing about fantasy. <laughs> you know, and what our life, what used to be reality is becoming fantasy at that totally. time. So that song was just about going out and just having the perfect date with that perfect person and just a perfect <laughs> time and saying, you know what? World could end tomorrow. What are we going to do tonight? That's that was last night loss. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Do you think that without the circumstances we were in that that song might have come to you? Or do you think that that idea of the perfect date? wasn't something that would come without the confinement that we were all in? That's a good question. I think a song like that would have been conceived, but I don't think it would be the way it is, you know, the way it turned out to be. Yeah. Because it's kind of like you can have the same idea, but if you're looking at an idea through a different lens, it's going to come out a little differently. So I we think, all kind of want what we can't have. I mean, that's kind yes. of like a human trait that is universal. Um, and so being able to like conceptualize that and just being like, this is something I literally could not go and do right now. I mean, that would kind of spark some creativity to be like, I always do this with in my work and like with my wife, I'll do like the magic wand scenario where I'm like, you know, just lay out the next 12 months and just tell me what you'd like to look at. If I give you the magic wand and it can be whatever you want. And you kind of did that right. with the idea of this date. Absolutely. It was a visualization thing. And it's something I never thought I would have to visualize, you know, yeah. considering the circumstances of what we were going through at the time. So I was like, okay, if you could go out with this person now, especially after everything that has happened, you know, from March 2020 on, what would the date look like? What would the night look like? What would you want to do? And yeah, so it, yeah, it would have been different, but yeah. You know, something close. Absolutely love it. So as I listen to the album, I get the sense that you're pulling influence from literally all over the place. Like, I, I don't think that there's a limit to like where you pull stuff and what's going on in your head, which I just absolutely love. So I hear a song like Mainstay. And I just get a sense that you're pulling in like funk, hip hop, synth pop, anything else that I can think of is like within this song. There's even like some like sometimes like some anger, like punk type, like yelling lyrics and stuff like that. 
But I wonder where you go for lyrical inspiration, because it seems like a lot of abstract phrasings. And I'm wondering if a band like Duran Duran offers you lyrical ideas or if you're pulling from everywhere, like with the music. That's great. No one ever asked me that. They, they talk about lyrics and they talk about the style of music and how musically, you know, Black Emoji does pull from all these different sources. That's how I grew up. That's my, uh, you know, that's my shuffle. Yeah. My shuffle is literally, you know, um, it's Robin, it's Joni Mitchell, it's Miles Davis, it's Slayer, it's Prince, it's Earth Eater. You know, it, it is all over the place. Um, Slide of Family Stone, I can go on forever. Yeah. Um, lyrically, it's interesting. I'd never really think about it that way. Um, but I do pull from a lot of different sources. It's, I was talking about Last Night Lost excuse me i was talking about last night lost to someone the other day and we were talking about duran duran to go back on duran duran and how there's a song called save a prayer and there's a line in save a prayer or i think simon says uh, um some people may call it a one night stand um but we may but we call it paradise i'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. and like you know in a roundabout way that that's last night lost you know and i never really thought of it but just that line in that song is kind of something that that's an inspiration, you know, but I'm also inspired by, you know, things politically. I'm, I'm inspired by other things that's happened and, you know, that happens in my life or other people's life, uh, whether it's love and I just love stories. And there's certain people that just really know how to tell a great story. It could be Johnny Cash in country. It could be uh, Marvin Gaye with uh, soul music, um, Bob Dylan, um, D'Angelo. So all that comes out in my music. And it's not something I look for intentionally. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna do this today. I feel like being, you know, I'm gonna put my R&B jacket on and blah, 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 <laughs> blah. You know, I just take it where it goes. And if something hits me sonically and lyrically, I just run with it. Um, a lot of things don't make make the last cut, but it's just a matter of how do you you know, take all these different influences and make them sound like an influence. And, you know, I don't want to directly copy an artist lyrically or musically, but I'm definitely inspired by a bunch. But that inspiration leads to my sound. Yeah. I feel like it is my sound musically. That is my sound um, lyrically. And that's where it's coming from. When you think back to this, um, the time that you were writing these songs and kind of making this album, um, do you, is there anything in particular that you were listening to or were you jumping all over the place? I'm always curious about that because when I've written music in the past, it's a direct influence of stuff that I'm listening to. Like you can go and listen to the the arrangement that I might put together or even the lyrics and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, he was definitely listening to a lot of Dylan or like that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. And I'm wondering if you had something that was just kind of on repeat at that time that kind of like helped shape this or if it was just very widespread. I think this time it was widespread. Usually okay. I'm like, okay, I, I'm listening to this album and, and it, you know, something comes out, it really sounds a, light, a lot like this, or it's like, oh yeah, you were listening to Trent that week, right? Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> With Electro was different because again, it's pandemic time. I was stripped of everything. We were all stripped of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I just went mad. All I did was make music. I didn't really listen to a lot. I was just creating and creating and creating because it was the one thing that I could still do. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I have my instruments back here. I have my laptop. You know, I, I did another album actually before Electro, and it's predominantly, you know, it's instrumental for the most part. There's like maybe two songs with vocals on it. But again, it was like, okay, um, I can't do anything. And my studio stuff was canceled. My my gigs were canceled. And I've always wanted to do something that's different. And I didn't know what to say at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was like, it was fitting to do something that was just instrumental. That sounds like the soundtrack of what's going on right now in, in my world. Yeah. And I just went, I did it in two weeks and then Electro started and I was like, okay, now I'm ready to talk about some things, but it was just streaming. I kept recording. Like it was, I was kind of mad. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to lie, but I get it. But, I, I get it. A lot of people that I've talked to that had uh, albums that came out of there, they kind of say that same thing of just like, what else was I supposed to do? Like there was yeah. literally nothing else to do. And it kind of like, I went a little crazy doing it, but here's, what the, here's the result. I love it. Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. A reminder, we're with Kelsey Warren. Um, what's the difference between Kelsey Warren and Black Emoji? <laughs> I can hide behind a Black Emoji. I can't hide behind Kelsey Warren. <laughs> I just watched, the reason I asked this, because I just watched this great documentary on um, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And <sighs> Magic was talking about the difference between Irving and Magic. And it was just such a stark difference that he hid behind. And he was like, Magic was is not Irving and Irving's just this sweet, lovable Midwestern guy. And, uh, and I just wondered if like, there's a difference. And if you're like, Nope, I'm in the studio now, it's black emoji. And then like in this kind of like one-on-one, -on -one, you're like, I'm going to give a little more Kelsey. That's <laughs> a little bit of both. It's kind of like, if you have a, <clears throat> an actor who is doing a role that's really close to their personality, okay. it's probably closer to that than, say like an mf doom thing where it's like okay i have a mask and i'm mf doom and 
no one knows who I really am. There's yeah. definitely elements of me in black emoji. I am black emoji, but I also <laughs> like that. It's a, thank you kindly. But I also like that it's it's just this, you know, mysterious thing in a little bit, but not too mysterious with our climate now. But yeah. it's like, you know, it's a band. It's like, a, you know, Sade is Sade's name, but Sade is also the name of the band, you know? That's and so true. People associate Trent Reznor as like, oh, you're Nine Inch Nails, you know? But Nine Inch Nails is Trent, but it's also a band as well. So it's kind of just more like a moniker than uh, than a disguise in a way. Yeah. Is he someone that you really look to? Because I hear a lot of his like late 80s, early 90s industrial stuff and what you're doing, especially the sound that comes out of what you're doing. Absolutely. Prince and Nine Inch Nails are, have been my my pillars i mean uh, and between those two pillars there's a lot a lot of other yeah yeah of course a lot of other books in there you know i can go on and on and on again same deal beatles sonic youth uh, george clinton but and definitely bowie and stevie but i take a lot and i've learned a lot from i would say prince and trent reznor are kind of like i will literally say yeah they're they're teachers of mine i never mm -hmm. met met them personally i've never talked to them but i've learned so much there's stuff that i can listen to in a nine inch nails album that's been more instrumental than certain uh music courses i've taken wow you know what the man does sonically it's just it's just mind-blowing to me you know and it's also a thing where i would say before trent reznor you know prince was kind of like that guy that made it cool to have synth stuff to have yeah. uh um acoustic drums mixed with a lot of electronic drums he did a lot of stuff by himself he also did a lot of stuff with a band and uh it's really interesting now with the 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 climate of music that so much is embraced electronic music yeah and it, before it was kind of like yeah, it was a little bit taboo but prince made it cool and made it work. He was a guy that was uh, an R&B guy, but he was also played on rock radio with a big rock album that had a lot of synthesizers on it, you know? Yeah. And Trent Reznor, you know, same thing with industrial. He kind of brought industrial more to the forefront. Um, and now you listen to pop songs done by Taylor Swift and they have, you know, look what you made me do. Sounds like an industrial song, you know? Yeah. So his influence is, is deep today very very deep you know and he's working with people like halsey um all the soundtrack stuff i, I take a lot of that from all the ambient sounds that he does you know he's that guy for me that's like he's like my post eno i am probably more inspired by what that man does um with production than most uh earlier electronic producers well, that kind of lends itself nicely to my next question, because I'm, you do produce for other artists as well. And I'm always wondering if you're producing versus yourself or for someone else, what are some differences? Is there a different process that you go into? Are you a more challenging person to produce for than people that you that hire you to produce for them? I'm just I'm very curious about if there's a difference in that process. I think I'm more challenging to produce myself. I <laughs> That's typical. <laughs> Battle in my head for three freaking minutes. Um, it depends on the artist. You know, I always believe an artist should go one way towards the producer and the producer should go one way towards the artist. Um, 
I, there's always going to be elements of that black emoji sound because I guess I have a sound now and that's great. I love it. People call me for that and they'll say, I want to work with you because I, I heard this, you know, I'm more of a singer songwriter artist, but can you do something that works for me? Hmm. So it, it's comfortable that it sounds like me, but it's a little different. And um, I love doing that. That's why I like doing so many different genres, but I work, you know, it all depends on the artists. Some artists are looking for it. I'm doing an album right now and it's more just straight rock. And it's not a lot of the usual sounds that I use, but, you know, as a fan of the genre and a fan of the artists, you know, we make it work. So it's like the artist is putting on a comfortable jacket as opposed to a new jacket that doesn't fit her or him. Do you think the um, expanding into those different genres is something that really helps you personally stay like engaged and, and expand your creativity? I, I feel like it's a challenge at first, but then when you break through the barrier, you're like, oh man, now I can like, I've got this new tools, set of tools that I can mm -hmm. add to my tool belt to like really start expanding my own stuff. No, absolutely. It's my everything, you know? I there was literally there was uh, an interview with uh, Devin Townsend, guitar player, who's incredible, you know, like a techie, <laughs> you know, math type of artist. And he mentioned something about metal music where, you know, it's something that's not just a sound. It's it's embedded in you. So you have somebody will come up and be like, oh, you listen to metal. It's like, yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're an Aussie, right? And it's like, uh, and then they try to do a metal part. <laughs> in a pop song and it sounds cheesy, but if it's, and I love that he said that because I will do certain things, you know, I'm not a metal artist per se, but I'm very influenced by metal too. Mm -hmm. So if I go into something that is heavy or it is quote, quote, metal, like I'll get compliments like, wow, that sounds really like, you know, your, your stuff. And it's like, yeah, because I love metal music. Like for many years, I, I listened to it. I've studied it. it. It was, it's something that's a part of me. And that's what I do with what I work with. I don't work with every genre. I don't think they all come out, but yeah, like that's, I love electronic music because I'm a huge fan. I love country music, old, older country yeah. because I'm a fan, you know, it, it, if you're really a fan of something, it's not going to come out. It's not going to sound fake. It's not going to feel fake. Yeah. You're going to be a part of something where as opposed to, oh, I'm just jumping into it and then let's just, you know, do do the rock part and it sounds really fake. That's true, because that, that lends itself to authenticity, which I think can be heard if somebody's being inauthentic, even if it's like through the mastering process and gets out and it's just like, that's not that's Absolutely. not that's not true to them. Um, I've got two more questions for you. Um, just a quick reminder that the album is called Electro, which I love. I actually have a playlist that from years ago called Electro on my Spotify, but uh, you added that C, and I really like it because it makes me think of like maybe you being just scatterbrained during the process. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it's out now. Anywhere that you're listening to music, go please listen. It's awesome, top to bottom. Um, first of my last two questions: Is there a in particular song on this one that you're looking back on? proud of that during the process maybe you weren't thinking about as much of being like oh this is a really great song but now that it's all done it's out to the public it's taken on its own life that you look you listen to and you're like yeah man i, I kind of hit something here Ooh, 
Well, I love all my children, but uh, <laughs> I would say there's two of them. And they're the two last songs on the album because I don't think that they fit the traditional mode of a quote electronic pop R&B dance type of, of an album. And I put them there for that reason. And one is called uh, Every Mother's Son. Goodbye, my love. Great ashes flew. And that's basically written, you know, of course, there was the whole uh, Black Lives Matter movement that was going on during the pandemic. And, you know, I wanted to write something that not just address that, but just addressing being a mother, especially a mother of, uh, you know, you have a, a, a black or brown kid and what it feels like to have that kid unjustifiably taken away from them. Yeah. So I wanted to write in that way, but I was like, all right, I don't want to do another, okay, here's a singer songwriter acoustic, you know, no, you know, no depression type sounding song. Mm -hmm. I'm like, where are the protest songs that are electronic? You know, you can still write a protest song without it being a Woody Guthrie thing. Yeah. To me, trying to accomplish that with that song was a challenge. And I, you know, I think I, I think I did it with that one. Once in a while, someone will say, I really love that song. It's like, thank you, because it doesn't get the shine as much as like maybe Quiver or Last Night Lost, because they're more, you know, up-tempo party yeah. thing. But to write a protest song that's predominantly electronic was, was everything for me. And the last song is um, a song about my daughter, and it's all acoustic. The night. was something I was dead set on having the album like start this way you know a little bit of yeah yeah uh electronic for the most part and then ended on a totally different note um there's real strings on the last song and it's, it's more acoustic guitar and and it's just written as an ode to my daughter who basically was she's the heart of my life so those two proud of those two Oh, I really like that. Both of those. And I mean, it's kind of this idea of this album as I listen to it top to bottom. It's kind of like a night, like the song um, that we talked about last night, Lost, how it's like a your your imagination of the perfect date when you can't be out on a date. This album is just kind of it, like almost like starts you off at a party and then the party like is like really flowing. And then you're like, and now it's time for the party to die down. And yeah, everyone to it. go home. It's a, it's an amazing like the the idea that all that was conceptualized. I just I'm I'm such a fan of, and that's why I love having these conversations. So thank you. Um, thank you. Last thing, uh, this episode is going to come out two weeks from today, and you have some musical dates coming up. Um, I encourage anyone to just search for Black Emoji on YouTube, and you can get an idea of like what these live shows are like. 
um, because there's some really cool stuff out there. I think I saw one at like a wine cellar in um, New York City that you did back in like 2019. <clears throat> yeah, so cool. Winery, yeah. Yeah, it was such a such a cool little visual to just kind of see like bringing this live because it does seem like a very produced album. So my mind immediately goes to like, how does that happen? But if you want to share a couple of those dates that you have and then just kind of give people an an idea of like what to expect at the live show based on this uh, beautiful new album, Eclectro. Thanks. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah, we're going to start doing shows and touring at the end of the summer. Now we are. Um, in uh, Brooklyn at a place called Elsewhere, uh, one of my favorite places, actually. Uh, we're playing there um, August 20th. We got our friends Nick Vivid, Control the Sound, opening up, too. And then um, I'm going to do some West Coast dates. I'll be at Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles on September 15th. Uh, I'm going to be touring with uh, Whitney Ty and Carolina Rose, two amazing artists who I totally adore. And then there are going to be more more tour dates. Expect at a live uh, Black Emoji show. Expect it to be electronic. Expect it to be dance. Expect it to be fun, but expect it to be a loud band. It's loud. We make mistakes. It's fun. <laughs> and just the energy is just incredible when you have that type of setting. And, you know, it's just fun. And it's all those shows as well. It's just, it's organic, but it's, they're crazy. Just go. Go to the show. Do it. Just go to the show. Um, This makes me raise one question, though, because you're such a multi-instrumentalist. When you get the band behind you, are you just like, do you turn into director and you're like, no, play it like this? Or are you just like, (laughs) is the freedom there for the band? The freedom is there at the show. The freedom isn't there at rehearsal. (laughs) I'm definitely a stickler for certain things, but the best part of having a band and just the great players I play with Haley Max is that their ideas are great and we all just feed off of each other. So when they're on, especially in a live setting, then I can do whatever. I can jump on somebody in the audience. I can just run to the bathroom. It's fun. I like the freedom of having a team behind you that understands the plays. Yeah. What an amazing thing. Um, Go check out those dates. I'm going to link to the website so you can just click to it on the show notes. Kelsey, really appreciate you, man. Keep making awesome music. I'm so happy that this like came into my, my, my ears. And um, I I hope to see you sometime live. I'm, I'm haven't been to New York in a while, but I know that the wife and I want to try and get there soon. So maybe we'll try and pop our heads in this fall or something and check it out. Would love that. Thank you kindly for this, by the way. Thank you so much to Kelsey for coming on to the show, sharing some of his stories and his amazing music. Really hope that you enjoyed it. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 